0: Hello everyone, today is March 10th and if it's Wednesday, then this is a special edition of The Delve. On Sunday, we talked about a doctor's perspective on the future of COVID-19 in our country. Today, we're going to talk with Stanley Wang, a participant in the Pfizer vaccine trial. Stanley works in the travel and hospitality industry, which has suffered greatly due to the pandemic. He will walk us through the timeline for these vaccine trials, as well as why he decided to participate. Stanley, welcome to the Delve. Another exciting news, our guests for the episode this Sunday, March 14th, are from the Sunrise Movement. Additionally, after our interview on Sunday, The Delve will be hosting a and a with the Sunrise Movement on Instagram Live. Join us on March 18th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern to have all of your climate change questions answered. You can find more information about this event on our Facebook and Instagram, The Delve Podcast. We hope you'll join us. Hi, Stanley. Welcome to The Delve. Thank you for taking some time to speak with us today. I'm really, really excited about this important topic.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure, Shailen.
0: And so tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with the Pfizer trial.
1: Sure, so I'm in the Pfizer phase two, three trial. I had my first injection on August 31st and then my second injection three weeks after that. I actually originally joined because at the start of 2020 last year, I was living in downtown LA at first and because of my job and everything, we had to be required working from home it was locked down. I wasn't able to travel for work and I really wanted to help. I really wanted to do my part, I guess, in combating the virus and try to return us back to normal. So there was originally the idea because at first coronavirus was really, really scary, right? It was supposed to be, you can get it from touching surfaces and it would stay on surfaces for, you know, multiple hours, even days. There was this whole fear thing going and I wanted to help. There was a program, a company called One Day Sooner, which I signed up for in the hopes of doing human challenge trials where they would purposely inject you with the virus to see what vaccine would work or what treatment would work. So I did that. And then I realized that the, and that's now been approved in the UK, but that was never going to happen in the US simply because of the ethics and models involved and the regulations that they would have to go through. So when I saw that wasn't happening, I wanted to participate in one of these regular trial things. So I did some research and found a place that was nearby and immediately signed up for it.
0: Wow. And I guess walk me and the listeners through a typical trial. What does it encompass?
1: Sure. So typically trials start with testing on animals first. Mm -hmm. And I know this was kind of like a misconception. There was a lot of, you know, misinformation, but these vaccines, at least the major ones that I know of, that's in phase three or being approved, have gone through the animal trial periods. I think they were tested on monkeys and some was tested on rats. So that's the initial stage of the vaccine. And then There's a phase one where it's just a handful of really fit people. I think talk to a couple of people there and they're usually the types that are generally super healthy people. So those are the trial one participants. Mm -hmm. And then you would move on to phase two and phase three. What my vaccine company did or developer did, they combined, Pfizer combined their uh, trials phase two and three together um, in an effort to speed up the process. Because of there was a need for a vaccine, so I joined that, being part of the phase two and three. There was, I believe, forty-four thousand people in the Pfizer trial. Yeah, so it wasn't just you know a small trial. And typically, and a lot of people don't understand this. Most trials for like other drugs and stuff are typically only a few thousand people, and that gets approved. So to have forty-four thousand, or you know, some had fifty, some had sixty, other uh, drug makers. Yeah, no, it is. And it was quite the challenge too, because Pfizer had trials in the US, South Africa, Brazil, Argentina, Germany, Turkey. So it was not just the US, it was all over the world as well. um, I'm collecting all this data. So, So it's like a diverse population set. It is. Yeah. And I know one of the challenges of this trial was there was a lot of hesitancy for minority groups and this Uh that was another reason why i did this as well i'm asian Mm -hmm. and being a minority i wanted to help alleviate that fear um that a lot of minorities have and you know there is a lot of minorities that don't do the trials because of that and then when it comes time for approval people see that there wasn't enough minority in the Pfizer trial i know that there was but more than the average american population in terms of minority for example The U.S. has 10% uh, 10 African-American population. The trial had 10%. The U.S. had like 13% Hispanics or Latinx population, while the overall percentage of minorities, so it was really well represented.
0: We'll be right back. Registering voters is hard work. The Democratic Voter Project is now selling shirts where you can register a new voter by scanning a QR code directly on the shirt. With this shirt, you can now register a voter anytime, anywhere. But that's not all. With every t-shirt purchased, you plant five trees. Purchase a shirt now at demvp.org. This trial, like you were saying, it's really accelerated. What were some of the safety measures taken in the trial to kind of try to protect the acceleration?
1: So I think one of the misconceptions was that this vaccine, quote-unquote, was rushed. It is correct that, you know, most vaccines to take multiple years to develop what the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine are their mRNAs. And while it, before this, there hasn't been any approved mRNA vaccines, this technology has been in the works for decades. You know, so there's a bit have of a been, head start. Yeah, exactly. And we were working on this so it doesn't set necessarily see new technology. Just like electric cars, you know, the first electric car was before there was a gas car. But we only drive gas cars because that was what got popular. So it's not really new technology. It's just old technology being made better. And then in terms of getting through the process in a more efficiently, the example I like to make is that everything was running concurrently. So previously, one of the challenges with science and, you know, I found a greater appreciation for scientists and researchers after being in this trial was all their time was previously was dealing with red tape and getting grants Mm. and money to fund their projects. With this, obviously, there was an immediate lead and the government was able to write a big check and try to help out with operational speed. So there was that sense of urgency in terms of developing this that helped speed up the process. And then the trial, which typically runs two years, and it still is going to go for two years. I'm still in the study. You know, I still have a year and a half or so to go in it. The emergency approval was granted for Pfizer on December the 13th because we already met the endpoint. After certain cases that we had, Pfizer was able to release the documents to show that statistically this vaccine was efficacious and it works and there was no safety concerns. So because of that, it's been given emergency approval and I think so far the data has backed that up. If you look at Israel and the general U.S. population that's been vaccinated, you know, our numbers are coming back down and hopefully they'll get full approval next month or early April. But in terms of just the safety portion of this, it's been in the works for a long time. And I think because there was that sense of urgency with coronavirus and how quickly it was transmitting in the population. There's a, The scientists just basically worked that little harder and was given the resources that maybe in previous trials or previous cases where there was no sense of urgency.
0: Right. And I feel like one of the big things that we're going to encounter, and probably not just in the US, but around the world, is a bit of fear of the vaccine whether it's different minority groups you know there's some african nations that have been a little concerned about it have you had any negative side effects or anything like that
1: i have personally not i think in terms of when i told a lot of people this mm. i got both sides of a story right i All got right. those that think i'm brave i'm a hero you know i'm helping <laughs> and then i got those that thinks it's a hoax what are you doing You're an idiot, you're a fool kind of thing. So I get both ends of the spectrum. And to be honest, look, I'm not someone that's gotten the flu shot every year, um, to be completely honest. You know, I, I am someone that, you know, have a natural disposition to being a little skeptical at first, so I can understand the hesitancy and the fear. My, I guess, what got me over that fence or that hump is that, look, at the end of the day, I it is up to you on what you want to do, right? I did this because while I'm relatively young and you know, God forbid I get COVID, I will survive, but we don't know the long-term effects. There's words of long-term lung damage and um, health issues and whatnot. You won't get that with the vaccine. So that was a big part of it for me, was that the way I saw this, what a vaccine does, and again, I'm not a scientist, But my understanding is what a vaccine does is mimic the virus. It's not the virus. It just gives you the blueprint that what a virus would look like. So when the virus does attack, your body is ready to fight it off.
0: I think that's a a really great point for listeners and, and folks to hear that the vaccine is not injecting the virus into folks, but it's actually creating the blueprint for how to fight against it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to a scientist about this last week when hopefully, again, I'm not a scientist, so I come up with stupid questions, if you will. If we could do a blueprint for coronavirus, why can't we do the blueprints for other diseases? Mm. And hopefully at the end of this, we can solve other diseases. And to my surprise, they were excited and they really like this new mRNA technology because you can do that, you can simply adapt, or I wouldn't say simply, but there is the possibility of being able to make those adaptations and have those blueprints to help other viruses and other diseases that we could potentially eliminate going forward. So, so that's this what is, was the most exciting thing.
0: This is in a way, open the door to exploring other cures.
1: Exactly, yeah. And that I know it's human nature that once this hopefully goes away soon, then we kind of slack off and, right. you know, don't really pick up the game. So hopefully, still have that continued sense of urgency and the continuing funding for science that's going to require required for those future and other viruses and diseases and not wait to the last minute, like, or wait till it happens, then we react. But that's kind of what we do, right, as humans.
0: Right, right. I'd really like to end these interviews with asking about a bit of hope. What makes you hopeful? What kind of gives you optimism for the future? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So just going back to what we were talking about is the potential for after this, what other cures we can come up with and what we've learned the last year, at least from a non-scientific background and how amazing these technology and science is. In terms of coronavirus, like I said, the stats show that if you look at Israel and look at the US, the cases are dropping. It is showing the vaccines to be working against the virus. So hopefully, sooner or later, we can get to that herd immunity, to get to a place where it's safe to travel, we can eat out again. See your friends. <laughs> you know, I, I know there's currently variants where there's people that concern. Read yesterday. There's going to be there was concern about a new Californian variant and a New York variant as well. And you know, I know Pfizer, Moderna already was uh, working on booster shots for the other the South African variant. Mm-hmm. So what is great is Mother Nature's always going to win. I know you mentioned about give us hope and whatnot. Yeah, um, but I'll take it the other side. I mean, too, we can we can my, add you
0: know a, a dose yeah. of realism there too.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So, you know, Mother Nature's going to win, right? Whatever we do. One of the things I heard about is the reason why we got all these diseases is because we are expanding so quickly. Like we're encroaching on animals' habitats. So we're going to get more of these animals. And, you know, I would love for us to not do that, but it is part of human development and growth, right? We have to expand and explore. So the consequences of that is that we are going to have more challenges and more things that are possibly going to destroy us like a virus Mm -hmm. so and that's what makes me hopeful is that we have these technologies to solve it and if we work together pull the resources together and just have that urgency we can solve it that's what makes me hopeful for the future
0: wow I don't know who those folks were who didn't think you were a hero, but I think you're incredibly brave and I applaud you for taking up the trial. I think that minority participation is, is so essential and I really just thank you for, for this. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, and thanks for coming on The Dell. I really appreciate it again. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Likewise.